The Word of God that uh, forms the basis of our meditation today is the uh, scripture from the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 18 and 20, that Roger just read. I'm going to focus on one verse from chapter 18, and that is verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And that's our text. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we give you thanks for yet another opportunity to gather in your name. There's something about Wednesday or midweek services that kind of give us a, a chance to, to think about our faith in a different perspective. At the end of the day, in the middle of the week, an opportunity to be reminded of the fact that our faith is, is a gift that you give to us every day of our life. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. From April 2021 to January 2022, I had 83 physical therapy appointments. Now, I don't know if any of you are doing or have done physical therapy. I got a nod over here. Maybe some of you are exposed to uh, what I'm going to talk about. If you're in an aerobics class, maybe you're over here at the... Uh, that the Belton Community Center over there, and you're in the water running track. I don't know, but there's somebody there that, well, isn't always that nice. When you're on the receiving end of therapy or instruct physical instruction, sometimes you run into what some might call cruel people. My cruel person was Sam. Sam makes his living getting people like me back into shape. All of my appointments, all 83, were the first thing in the morning for two reasons. One, I didn't want to talk myself out of going if it was later in the day. The alarm went up, I got up, and I went without an extra, a lot of extra thought. The other part of it was I was kind of hoping that Sam would be tired. He would come in and maybe he would be a little forgetful. He wouldn't be having his name, his, his, uh, he wouldn't be practicing uh, in his right frame of mind, not fully awake. That wasn't true for Sam. Sam is a professional. After showing up, I would go for almost an hour through some of the most strenuous exercises and stretches imaginable. The one I hated the most, and I still hate, is this one. Had it for both knees, I can only do it with one leg. But he would put me on a block and then have me drop down and come back up with my heel. I can't do it with my other foot right now because of my ankle really isn't that hard, but for Sam, he had to add two more inches onto the step. Instead of it being six inches, I was going from eight. And if you've ever sensed the, uh, a step that isn't quite right, it's that little extra that makes it extremely hard. I hated that exercise. And yet Sam knew uh, that this was a very effective way to re-engage my, the muscles in my upper leg, and so I did it. 
Sam wasn't a cruel person. Uh, he spent his living really trying to help people. For me, it was helping me restore the muscles in my legs after my two knee surgeries. Sam, physical therapy, if you will, kind of fits into the Advent theme, if I can. Because the very same function that, that Sam had with me, I seek to have with you. To take the opportunity to think about things we already know, to go over some passages that we're already familiar with, and there's a purpose behind it. At the beginning of the church year, we're reminded that while faith is a gift of God through Jesus Christ, it takes some effort on our part to keep the faith vibrant and strong. It's just simply too tempting to become an observer. This happens throughout the rest of the year, but I, I honestly think it's, it's, it's especially during Advent. I mean, think about it. Who even uses the word Advent anymore? Lutherans do. But do we use it as a synonym to Christmas as opposed to what Advent speaks about? Advent means the coming. We celebrate three comings in Advent. The coming of Christ the first time. The coming of Christ into my heart through the waters of holy baptism. And the coming of Jesus the second time on the last day. So, during this Advent season, while Pastor Prem is attacking the gospel readings on Sunday morning, I want to deal with three, what I would call, important Advent themes that will help you maybe work through some of the areas where you have maybe become a little lax in your thought process. Maybe you just don't understand it. Tonight, I want to begin with what I'll call Advent Waiting in anticipation. So I hope it makes sense to you that our reading for this evening was from the Old Testament. It is here that we are, are confronted with Abraham. Now in chapter 18, that's not the first time we hear about him. We actually hear about him for the first time in chapter 12. Genesis 12, Abraham is 75 years old and Sarah, his wife, was 65 God told Abraham to leave the country of his origin and go to this foreign land called Canaan. God promised Abraham that he would make him into a great nation and that all people would be blessed through him and his descendants. Even though he was childless, he followed the words of God. He took Sarah, a number of his relatives, all his possessions, and he ventured out into this new land in which he was a stranger, in which um, he was a foreigner. When we get to chapter 15, we see specifically God taking Abraham outside to remind him that even though several years have passed since the original promise, I'm affirming with you the, the, the basis of that promise. Look up to the heavens and count the stars if you 
indeed can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Imagine what uh, position Abraham was in. I got this promise from God, but I I don't see it happening in my day-to-day life. And yet the text says, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. It is written that Abraham believed the Lord's word, and by faith, he received the righteousness of God. You see, Abraham trusted what God said, even without the evidence. And through faith, that faith, the reliance on the Lord's promises, he was declared righteous. Now, today's reading is taken from Genesis uh, chapter 18 and 21. It's recording events that have now, are now taking place 24 and 25 years after God originally called Abraham. Chapter 18, he's 99 years old. Sarah is 89. They still have no children, and it's way past the age of childbearing. Abraham, however, continues to hold to the Lord's promise, despite the fact, humanly speaking, that it seems impossible for the Lord to keep the promise. Now stop for a minute. Waiting. That's what we're talking about. Waiting with anticipation. In our church, we're looking at what? Three more weeks? We're talking about two and a half decades here. That's an extremely long time. And yet Abraham continued to believe. I'm sure the, end, the, the, the waiting seemed endless and possibly futile at times. According to the text, it's pretty clear that Sarah had all but given up on the promise. And yet, in the midst of his weaknesses, Abraham continues to hold to God's word. So tonight, I want to remind us all that Advent is about that same kind of waiting. Waiting in anticipation, waiting in humble faith, holding on for God's promise to be revealed. Not only did Abraham wait for the promise... Not only did the people of Israel wait for the coming of the Messiah, but we today, we also wait for the fulfillment of the Messiah's salvation on the last day when he comes to judge the living and the dead. That's a part of our Advent experience. In fact, I'm going to suggest it's a major part of Advent that honestly, sometimes we don't think about. That really doesn't fit into our planning. And that's the tricky part. Surely there's aspects of waiting for us. I mean, we talk about it, I guess, pretty much every year. And let's be honest, depending on if you're Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, or whenever it happens, kind of a Christmas purpose, person, waiting is involved in it. 
It's a part of it. And yet, if we don't pay attention, we may be waiting only for the first coming of Jesus at Christmas. And that is not the kind of waiting in anticipation of God's promises to be revealed to which Advent calls us. Again, work with me on this. If all we're doing is considering waiting for the time for the Christmas celebration to come, it's a challenge. Now, let's be honest. Patient waiting for sinful people doesn't come easy for us. Waiting in anticipation of God's promise uh, can at times be discouraging. I mean, how many Christmases have you celebrated? How many of those Christmases, when it talked about waiting, were you considering the actual Christmas Day celebration or Christmas Eve or the day after? Now, please understand, I'm... I'm I'm not a bah humbug kind of guy when it comes to Christmas. I'm not. I'm, I'm asking you to work a part of your faith brain that maybe you haven't of late. I mean, think about it. It's a struggle, and it can be discouraging. Over time, doubts begin to creep in. Is a promise real? If he hasn't come up to now, is he really going to come? And when we struggle with a bigger focus of waiting in anticipation as Abraham and Mary did, we sometimes begin to look for other things, things with more immediate results or gratification. We can push the, the promise of Christ to the side. And instead of dwelling on his promise in faith, eagerly anticipating the second coming of Christ, we find ourselves looking for other things. Now, when Advent waiting is primarily focused on celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ at his first Advent, imagine the things we get caught up in. Competing hopes, Ideas, plans, activities. If you're not working on focusing on the bigger promise, the promise of anticipation, the second coming of Christ, then we find ourselves looking for other things. And there's plenty of things out there to encourage us to do so. Did you know it's 18 days, seven hours of shopping until Christmas? Not that you keep track of that, but you surely know that people are keeping track of how many shopping days between now and Christmas. Nothing wrong with keeping track of how many shopping days are between now and Christmas, but what it's doing is it's causing me to wait to celebrate something that's already happened. Well, how do I celebrate what has already happened? Well, I got to maybe start thinking about shopping more, and there's people that want to encourage that. The Friday, yeah, I see that. The Friday after Thanksgiving, what is that called? It's Black Friday. It's a time where great deals are put out there so that we will be encouraged to 
shop. And you know what comes next? Well, that comes Small Business Saturday. These are real things. You know what Small Business Saturday is? It's encouraging us to shop locally. Support the small business guy as we prepare for our Christmas celebrations. And there's more. November 27th, the first Monday after Black Friday, it's called Cyber Monday. Monday. Because they've, yeah, exactly. They realize that we're electronic people. We're on our phones and we are then encouraged with some great deals to shop online. It's a big day. And if by chance you missed it, then they come up with Green Monday. And that's this coming Monday, the second Monday of December. This isn't an attempt to to continue to expand the, the buying fever that's out there by giving us yet another round of opportunities to go shopping or, more importantly, to get online again and shop some more. So you still have time for that one. And then there's December 23rd. This is called Super Saturday. It's the last Saturday that you have to purchase things. It's a big buying time. And so you're going to see some bargains on that day too. Surely we're done, right? Nope. Then there's Christmas Eve, which is also, uh, which is, it's not Saturday. Christmas Eve this year is, that Super Saturday is the 23rd. This is the 20. The 24th, I'm sorry. 51% of people don't buy things until the last minute. This is a major league shopping day. Well, if my waiting is no longer on the challenging parts of God's promises to be revealed as we wait into anticipation for the second coming of Christ, it's no surprise that there's plenty of people ideas that want to fill the void, which draws our attention to a celebration that's already happened. Okay, there's a little aspect of anticipation in there, but I wonder, where does that anticipation come from? To borrow from Charles Dickens, how about the ghost of Christmas past? Boy, you remember all those fun Christmases we used to have? That was so great when the family would get together. Kind of hoping we can do the same thing. Now, what's the menu going to be? We have to have this. And when do we get the tree decorated? And how decorated do we even do the house this year? Because we all want to experience or re-experience what I call this elusive spirit of Christmas that's out there. They talk about it a lot on Hallmark channel. Oh, this love, this idea that's always associated with this time of the year. We're looking for and anticipating for something that isn't what Scripture encourages us to do. Because you know what happens? Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, whatever, will come That experience is over, and now what are we left with? We pack so much of our anticipation, so much of our our waiting into that one event, 
And when it's over, it feels like, oh, it went so fast. Huh, I missed it this year. Huh, it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. What are we left with? We're left with a a life that almost seems to be let down by this awesome celebration of the coming of Christ. When the waiting has to be understood in a much larger picture, and we can insert the very same anticipation that we saw with Abraham. Waiting is difficult, and yet for the Christian... It's very much a part of the Christmas Christian life setting, isn't it? We meditate on the fact that Christianity faith is made up with hopeful waiting. Looking forward in hope, if you will, to what is yet to come. The psalmist, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word... I hope. The writer of the Hebrews put it this way. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So if our waiting is to Christmas Day, that experience, that's something we've already seen. That's something that ultimately we already know has a beginning and an end to it. When there's so much more to the Advent preparation and the Christmas story than just that one-time event. This is the faithfulness. that I'm talking about the faithfulness that Abraham and Sarah demonstrated in their life. In God's grace, he comes to Abraham in chapter 18 with these wonderful reassuring words. I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a child. He's 99 years old. You would think he's, oh, it's not going to happen this year, and yet the promise comes in. You wait. When you're 100, the promise will be revealed to you. I mean, it's similar to the words that uh, the angel Gabriel spoke to Joseph. Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. She has a son. We're looking at nine months now. The promise that everybody in the Old Testament has been looking forward to is now going to be revealed. The very Messiah that was promised through the line of Abraham is coming into this world. It's about to happen The waiting was almost over for the whole people of God to Christ was coming. But notice the reactions of Sarah and Mary. After hearing this promise that next year there will be a baby, notice what Sarah says. After I'm worn out and my husband is old, will I now have this pleasure? Hmm. Sarah was focused entirely on the implausibility of the whole concept. Notice Mary's response. Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. What's Mary doing? Mary is not focusing on what seems to be humanly impossible, 
but on what was divinely possible, what God was going to do. Now, when confronted with the fact that she was kind of ridiculing the promise, Sarah was, the Lord says to her, is there anything too hard for the Lord? I don't know how the sermon comes across to you guys. I don't know if it's a pie in the sky kind of a thing or it's not what you were thinking about getting tonight. I mean, after all, I'm here to exercise a part of your faith, your thought process that sometimes we take for granted. And you see that especially at Advent. I'm not trying to dissuade the celebration of the coming of Jesus Christ into this world. Not at all. But the anticipation, the waiting in hope is found when we realize there's another promise for us that is extremely similar to the promises that God made to Abraham and Sarah and Mary and Joseph. A promise that a future event is going to come. Wait for it. And it was exciting to wait for. Although, again, as I've said at times, a challenge. Notice what Mary said to the impossibility of a virgin becoming a mother. For nothing is impossible with God. And so we have a 90-year-old woman giving birth miraculously to a, a son who would be a direct ancestor of the Messiah promised all the way back in Genesis uh, chapter 3 throughout the Old Testament the people of Israel, God's people were looking for this Messiah to come and that he himself would be the savior of the world for nothing's impossible with God is anything too hard for the Lord In one of the interactions that Jesus had with his disciples, uh, he was talking about the rich man and how the rich man, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. And and the disciples were wondered or overwhelmed by that. Here is a guy that one would think was blessed by God because of all of his resources, and yet this person was not good enough to get into heaven. Who then could be saved? Jesus replied, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible with God. You see, not the best of us get to enter the kingdom of God by our own strength. But God has made the impossible possible through Jesus. Abraham believed that nothing was impossible for God. Paul records this in chapter 4 of Romans. He says, Abraham is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. As it has been said of him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith 
and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do exactly what he promised. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Absolutely not. If it hasn't been your practice to set apart a a time to, to process again the promise that Jesus not only came, but he is coming again to look forward to that day with anticipation. Because, Lord willing, if Christmas actually comes, the December 25th, and goes like it does for most of us in our lives, what's going to hold our attention the rest of the church year? He came. He lived a life for us. He gave his all suffering, dying, and yet rising again. He ascended into heaven with a promise that we now wait for in anticipation. And that is, he's coming again. And he's coming again to people like us. For if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Not only the promise of the forgiveness of sins, but the promise of eternal life, which Jesus promises to bring when he comes again. Just as Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness before God, so are we as we believe the promises of God in Christ. What he has done for us what he is doing right now. And in Advent, remembering what he promises he's going to do. And we wait in anticipation. Will it be this year? Are you thinking to yourself, nah, it's not going to be this year. Why not? Because it wasn't last year. How about 2024? Will that be the year? No, he didn't come last year. Why would he come next year? How long before that thought process begins to interact with our faith to the point that we're no longer anticipating the promises to be true? But we're thinking to ourselves, yeah, it's for somebody else other than us. Why? Because it's never happened before. I don't know how you go through the church you're thinking that the promises aren't for you. That they're not happening to you. And that there isn't that future promise of God revealing himself through his word and sacrament to continue to bless and guide his people of faith. As we live, waiting in anticipation, for him to come again. In Jesus' name I pray.